0: And we're in a series called My Church, and we're talking about uh, values of our church, things that we practice, cultural values, scriptural values. And last week we talked about we are passionate about prayer and fasting; that it is something we take seriously. It's something we incorporate every year into our corporate and, and private life, and. Uh, I wanna just encourage you, if you haven't jumped on board yet, there's still time to jump aboard. The reason we do it over 21 days is so that uh, you can even take a break if you need to. And uh, I know some people are taking weekends off, that's fine. And then jumping back on tomorrow. Uh, do whatever works for you and, and keeps you spiritually grounded and challenged. But we talked about last week that we are passionate about prayer and fasting. And we're, we're basing... Uh, every week, off of uh, John chapter two, Jesus cleared out the temple from the money changers, and when the disciples saw that, they said in John two seventeen, that reminded them of a verse out of Psalms that said, "Zeal for your house has eaten me up," and zeal is what it's passion, and they they saw the passion that Jesus had for God's house, and we want to have a passion for God's house, we want to have a passion. For our church. And so this week, I want to talk about something that we are passionate about, and that is we are passionate about people experiencing all that God has for them. Amen. We are passionate about people becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. How many know that that's why Jesus died? Is that we could experience everything that He has for us. And another way to say this is that we are passionate about people having an Acts 2 experience. Amen. We are passionate about people having an Acts 2 experience. And we're going to walk through this now. I just want to put this out there right now. Uh, I preach this sermon once a year, and uh, I hope that you've heard it already. Uh, matter of fact, that the goal is that you can, every year when I preach this, that you know what verses are coming, you know what's about to be said because that's a sign that it is deep inside of your soul. And, and so I usually preach this once a year. I think the last time I preached this was like in June, but we're moving it up to January this year because it just worked with this series. And uh, so I make no apologies about that because it is a cornerstone message of our church. And and what is an Acts 2 experience? Well, the book of Acts is the history of the early church. And in Acts chapter 2 is the formation of the church. And we want our church to be built off the foundation that Jesus built and that the early church experienced. We don't wanna trace ourselves back just 100 years to some denomination or some group or or some historical figure. We wanna go back and this is what it means, we wanna be apostolic in that we are basing our foundation off of the apostles. Can I get a good amen in the house today? And so, we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we see in this context that Peter has preached the first sermon in the history of the church, and he's preaching to the Jews, and he preaches Jesus. How many knows that we need to preach more Jesus? On, preach I think we'd be surprised what happened if we preached more Jesus. And they were convicted, In verse 37, they says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, that's kind of the cry of humanity, isn't it? What, how do we get out of this mess? What, how do I respond to God? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. He says, for this promise, everybody say this promise. is yes. for you, it's for your children, and all that are far off, that's us. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. I'm afar off, it's been like 2,000 years. And so he says, it's for as many as the Lord our God will call, and I want to tell you today, God's calling you. Yes. If you're here today, God is calling you. Yes. This promise is for you. It is for whoever the Lord will call, and, and God's promise has always been for everybody. Whoever will come. And that's, uh, I love reading and hearing about the early Pentecostal uh, missions that they would have just a, they would set up just a big tent. My wife's grandfather, great-grandfather, was actually, One of those pioneers, he would move into a town and just set up a big tent and they would have church and whoever showed up, showed up. Didn't matter if you were the local drunk or you were the richest man in town. And you know, we need to get back to that and symbolically, we just need to have a big old open tent that says, whosoever will come in, come in. It doesn't matter what label you have, doesn't matter what background you have, just come in and take a drink. Matter of fact, one one of the things we're we're thinking about doing this year um, is one of those things uh, that I'm prone to do is just hatch up an idea in a meeting, and I have no X's and O's, and I have no plan. But uh, tentatively, we want to have a tent revival this year, and, and nothing fancy, just. Come and wait and pray and see whoever shows up, shows up, but we're gonna have church. And, and I think we need to get back to just no pretensions. We just want to have a move of God, right? Okay, I need to get off that rabbit trail. My mind's already working with ideas. Just as I said that, I got a couple ideas. But, but we see that in these verses, in Acts 2.38, that there are three experiences you could call them three baptisms that reenact the gospel. When we repent, we die to ourselves. And we give our life to Jesus. And we say, I'm done. I'm done living this life. I'm done living for sin. And when we're baptized, we are buried as Christ was buried. We're buried in the waters of baptism. We'd Bury that old man. And when the Holy Spirit moves in our life, we are resurrected to a new life. That new man has brought resurrection. And that's an experience that God has for whosoever our Lord will call. And we see that in the book of Acts that these baptisms, remember the book of Acts is very important because it's the history of the early church. What did they do? What did they practice? How did they interpret what the apostles' teaching was? And we, we see that this is replicated all throughout the back of book of Acts. But I want to take you to First uh, John 5, 8. And it says this, there are three that bear witness on the earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Do you see those three experiences in there? The spirit is what? The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit baptism. The water, what is that? Water baptism. And the blood. What's the blood? When we repent, we plead that blood. We call on that blood to save us. And I want to show you this. This pattern even goes back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the way they approached God was a very cumbersome, delicate uh, process where they had to go to the tabernacle and they had to provide an animal and they had to uh, give it to the priest and the priest would kill that animal and they would have blood on their hands and, and, and here's what would happen. They would sacrifice a lamb at the altar. You know what that is? That's the cross. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful for the cross Woo! today? Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? And here's the good news. Is that we don't have to take that lamb anymore? We have a perfect lamb, and that in the blood of Jesus Christ, He was 100% man, 100% God. He was 100% sinless, and because He died on that cross in our place, we can be free of sin. Somebody, lift up your hands and thank Him today for the cross. So that's that's the first baptism is the baptism of faith or repentance. blood of the the lamb on the altar then they would wash that blood off their hands and that represents baptism at the golden laver they washed that blood and then when they would enter into that tent they were anointed with oil which represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit I want to show you in the book of Acts we see these three baptisms Acts 8 12 the gospel spreads And it goes to the Samaritans. And when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Okay, so we see the first two two baptisms there. They they believed and they responded by baptism. And then in verse 14, it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Said, hey, we, we need you to go check these people out. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John laid their hands on him, or placed their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to see something, that this was five years after Acts 2.38, five years after the day of Pentecost, These three baptisms, these three uh, experiences are still being taught and being practiced in the Christian community. And so they they experience the first two and then Peter and John come and they say, no, there's this other experience that you have not yet had that is for you. Now I wanna take you further in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, God gives Peter this vision. And one of the things that God had to work with the early church, and it gives me a little hope for modern day, the early church, as powerful as they were, they had some good old classic racism in them. And they thought the only people God could work in is the Jews. And anybody different came in their church saying, well, why are they here? And, and God had to give Peter, even Peter wrestled with us. God had to give Peter a vision that said, no, no, no. This is for everybody now. This isn't just for Jews. And, and God said, a, a man's coming uh, who is a Gentile, and you're to go to his house, and you're to preach to him the gospel. And so Peter goes to this man named Cornelius' house, and he preaches to him the same thing he preached in Acts 2. And you know what that was? Jesus. Amen. Not money. Not how you can be happy. Not how to live the good life, but how do we get out of sin? Because how many knows that's the problem. Sin's the problem. Our income's not the problem. He preached to him, Jesus, and look what happened in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10. Then Peter, while he was saying these words, while he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. He didn't even get to finish his message. And the believers from among them who were circumcised, that is the Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking tongues and extolling God. So look what happens. Somewhere during his message, they believe it. They have faith. They say, what this man is saying is true. And before Peter can even give an altar call, The Holy Spirit breaks out and people are filled with the Holy Ghost and there are Jews with Peter nudging him saying, hey, can they do that? Did you give them permission to do that? You you know what that shows us is that you can't put boundaries on the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll fill who he wants to fill. It doesn't matter if they're, they're drug addicted. It doesn't matter what kind of bad theology they might have at the moment. He'll fill in the blanks later. The Holy Spirit will fill whoever's hungry. And I want to tell you, if you're hungry today, you're a prime candidate for this experience. And so on hearing this, I want you to see this. I'm sorry, let's go to verse 47. Can anyone, Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he, everybody say, he commanded Commanded. them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And we see that they obeyed that command and they were baptized. And so do you see it there? They, that they experienced the three baptisms. This is 10 years after Pentecost. We see in Acts chapter 10 that these three experiences are still being taught and practiced. I wanna show you one other place in in Acts. In Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul is traveling and he comes across some believers. Excuse me, in Acts chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. There he found some, what? Disciples. You know what disciples are? Followers and, and followers practice whatever's been taught. How many wants to be a disciple? And they say he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, sadly, these disciples are representative of a lot of disciples today in that they love God, but they haven't been taught the full scope of his word, the the full experience. And, And sadly, there's a lot of churches like that today. You could walk in and say, they say, we haven't even heard about this. And so he asked them and asked, verse 3 he says, And to then what were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. So these people, they were followers of John the Baptist. And they didn't know about Pentecost, they didn't know about. Uh, what happened in Acts 2. And I want you to see what Paul did. He filled in the blanks for them. And he told them in verse 4, he he told them that John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling them to believe in the one who was coming after him, Jesus. And on hearing this in verse 5, they were baptized, how? In the name of Jesus Christ. That they, they became fully converted in the sense that they Paul uh, filled in the blanks as to why John came. John came to point to Jesus because the message wasn't about John. It was about Jesus. And so the sign that they were full converts and had become believers of Jesus is they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you, that's why we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, because he is the one we're putting our faith in. He is the one that did the work. He is the one who uh, paid the price on Calvary. When we step into the waters of baptism, I'm doing nothing. I'm stepping into what has been done through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's because his name is higher than any other name. At the name of Jesus, demons shudder. the name of Jesus, people are healed. the name of Jesus, sins are forgiven. Somebody thank him for the name of Jesus the angel said you shall call him Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins so they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus that's the second and then when Paul had laid his hands on them the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying the third baptism and that's 25 years after Pentecost, we see these three things being taught and practiced. So I want to walk through these real fast. The first experience is the baptism of faith and repentance. And that is when we come to a point where we believe who Jesus is. And when I just baptized these uh, kids a few minutes ago, I said, I, I baptize you because you believe in the death, the burial, and resurrection. And you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. That's why I baptize you, because of your faith. And it's, it, uh, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We've got to have that moment of faith. We've got to have that moment where I believe what I've been taught. I believe what mom and dad have been saying. I believe what grandpa's been saying. I, I believe what my Sunday school teachers have been teaching me. And every week, every Wednesday night, that my kids come home, they tell me something new that their Sunday school teacher taught them about Jesus. And I'm seeing faith the size of a grain of mustard seed starting to raise up in their life and starting to come to fruition in their life. And how many knows, we've gotta have childlike faith. Watch Childlike Faith. We just believe. Dad said it's going to happen. I just believe it's going to happen. Last couple days, we've had a faith war in our house. Elise is asking for a baby. As I said, yeah, we'll go to Walmart. We'll buy you. No, 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 no. I want a real one. And I said, talk to your Aunt Rachel. (laughs) True story. And uh, we've had this back and forth and and I was like, no, at least you can't just buy those. Like there's a process, uh, which we will get to much later. And uh, Finally, I, I just gave up and said, you know what, baby, pray to Jesus. If it's his will. And Danielle just looked at me like, this is dangerous. And I, I said, I believe my faith is greater than hers. She said, you're going up against the faith of a child, Jeremy. You need to be very careful. But we, we've got ha- to have that childlike faith that says God loves me. I believe in who Jesus is. Jesus loves me, this I sow, for the Bible tells me so. How many of us that's powerful? On the worst day of your life, just that, that faith, the size of a grain of a mustard seed is enough to get us through. Amen? And so, faith is the vehicle through which God saves us. If you don't have faith, I don't care how many times you jump in that baptistry, I don't, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter the life change that you force on yourself, if you don't have faith, you're wasting your time. We've gotta believe, as Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and when you see me, you see the Father that he is God, that was God walking amongst us. It wasn't just a good man, it wasn't just Jehovah Junior, that was God himself. Acts 4:12. nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. How many love that message, that it's the name of Jesus and faith in that name. It's not that we're denigrating other religions. It's not that we think we're better than other people. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. It's that we know who we are and we know what that name did to our life and how it changed our life. So repentance means to turn. When I repent, I change. I change my life direction. I change the basis for my choices. And, and uh, I heard somebody, a Christian comedian laughing. He said, guys, I think it's just getting too easy to get saved. He said, I was at a Christmas service this year and uh, you didn't even have to fill out the card this year. You just had to text yes or no. He's, he's like, I think we need to at least make it a little, little difficult. And he was joking. But, but it, it's a whole lot deeper than texting yes or no. We've got to make a decision. And it doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect, but it means that my life is moving the right direction. I'm moving towards Christ. I believe and I repent, and repent means to turn. And I've seen that in this process, this is where we stop being God's enemy. And when we have faith, when we have faith, we enter into the forgiveness of God. And the price has been paid like it was paid at that altar The price is played. And and Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, he said, I tell you, unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. There are no exceptions. Well, my grandpa and grandma built this church. You need to repent. I've been coming to church for 50 years and giving tithes. You need to repent. That was the message that John The Baptist came with and Jesus built off of, we must all repent. And so the Holy Spirit moves on me so that I can get to that place. And and here's what i to tell you, that the penalty for sin is met at repentance and and that we, we move on to the next phase, the next experience that God has for us is this, water baptism in the name of Jesus. We see all throughout the book of Acts, that when people had faith in God, had faith in Jesus, the very next thing they did was to be water baptized in the name of Jesus. That is the next step. If you're here today, and you've never done that, I'm just going to tell you right now, thus saith the Lord, that is your next step. And they did it immediately. That's because there, there is a... An urgency when God reveals truth to us there's an urgency and I, I know maybe you're here today and you're like well I want to come back next Sunday and bring grandma that's fine but you better be back here next Sunday with grandma because we need to get you down and, and here's why the, the penalty for sin is met at repentance but the record of sin is washed away in baptism how many is God you've been washed and sanctified And so, water baptism removes the record of sin. Luke chapter 24 says this. Is everybody all right? And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Why, Why am I gonna do that? So that repentance and what? Remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning where? In Jerusalem. So he said, repentance, first baptism, and what? Remission of sin. Remember what Acts 2 said, Acts 2.38? Repent and be baptized for the remission. remission. He said that I'm dying for this. I want to tell you, anything Jesus dies for, you need to do. You need to obey. He died for this experience. Acts 22.16, Paul has an experience with God where he's literally knocked off his horse. There's a bright light, and it's Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, go into town and I'm gonna show you your next steps. And he meets this man. Right. And uh, this man shows him that his next step was baptism. And Acts 22:16 16 says this, and now while you're waiting, this is what was preached to Paul. Now, why are you waiting? I'm gonna stop right there. I wanna ask somebody today, why are you waiting? Right. Well, pastor, do I have to? Do I have to? Stop asking have to. When you fall in love in Jesus, the question is, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? If I have this extravagant gift right here, just for you, it could be these shoes. I would say, why are you waiting? Come get it, it's yours. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away. Everybody say wash away. There we see that again. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now I believe that part of baptism is that we publicly declare our faith. I do believe that. But if you look scripturally, the primary purpose of baptism was what? Calling on the Lord, washing away your sins. That, that, is a, a, that there is an eternal work, a spiritual work that happens in our life in baptism. I can't explain it. I can't explain communion. I can't explain a lot of the things we do. There's some mystery to it. How many's glad, though, that you serve a God that you can't completely understand or explain? And that's the vehicle he's given us. And so I don't know about you, but I'm going to do it. If that's an experience God has for me, I want it. And so Jesus, he was baptized as an example to us. And we see that there's so many types of baptism in the scripture. In the scripture, the Red Sea, uh, the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites out of Egypt. And they they get to the Red Sea and God opens up that Red Sea and they go across on dry ground. And that sea swallows up the enemy of God's people. And that is a picture of baptism. That's a picture of what happens. John the Baptist was baptized and baptized people in the Jordan River. And that Jordan River flows, you know where it flows? To the Dead Sea where everything goes Amen. to die. Come on. And I think there's a, a, a principle there. there is, right? This tank up here is where stuff goes to die. Amen. I could... And I, I just I just see so many people in this room right now. One of my favorite baptisms. I, I don't see her like right off the bat. Larissa Selby. God changed her life in baptism. God changed her life. See my ma- my man Cade's here today. God changed his life in baptism. There's something about when you take that step of faith. God honors faith. God honors the name. God honors the blood and this this doesn't work for everybody. I'm just going to put this disclaimer. Everybody's journey is different, but I've seen people instantly delivered from drugs and alcohol in baptism. From addictions. There's something powerful about baptism. So let's not relegate it to something we do once a year. There's urgency why? Because Jesus commanded it and that baptism God declares ownership of our life. That name of Jesus is bestowed upon our life. Romans 6, 3 and 4, do you not know as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even, though we, even so we should walk, what? in the newness of life. We don't walk out of there the same old sinner. We walk out of there a new creation. I, I've thought about shortening this, but I tell you what, we need to get these scriptures. Our kids need to hear these scriptures. We need to hear it again. Colossians two eleven: In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In other words, in the Old Testament, the sign of being a part of God's people was circumcision. All the men say, thank you, Jesus. We don't have that today. By putting off the body of the flesh, by the what? Circumcision of Christ. What is the circumcision of Christ? Having been buried with him in baptism in which you are raised with him through the faith and the powerful working of God. Are you seeing it? God does something up here. That's where people get sidetracked. Why do I have to? Why do I have to? No, no, no. You're not doing it, Jesus is doing it. God's doing it. We're just responding. First Peter 3:21, and in this water symbolizes baptism now that also saves you for they're not the removal of dirt. In other words, it's not the water, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. You know what that means? This serves as a concrete reminder of what God's done in our life. It's a clear conscience towards God. That next time you do that drug, the next time you make that mistake, the devil is gonna, you know what he's gonna say? See, that was never real in the first place. You never were a legit Christian. You never were the real deal. Now you can point back and say, Satan, I was baptized in the name of Jesus and it's his righteousness it's his holiness it's what he's done in my life and yes I made the mistake but I'm getting back up again because I know greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world come on is there anybody that this message has kept you it's made you get back up again it's saved you And the next is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to just say this right up front. Be open. Be open. You don't have to understand all of it. Be open. And I, I, I talk to people all the time, and, and this is one of the great things I love about our church. I would say it's getting to the point where most people experience this outside of our church doors, And not everybody sees it, and they'll come to me and say, hey, that thing you've been talking about, that thing, I like that. I was praying, and it happened. Because how how many knows the Holy Spirit's not restricted to this room, or you have to have so-and-so praying for you? Just connect with God. This experience is for today. And, And here's what I would do if I were the devil, I would try to discourage people. Does everybody just need to get a drink of water? My goodness, everybody. The devil's trying to make everybody cough to keep, keep you from hearing this word. But this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is when we become fully immersed with God's presence. You see, at faith and repentance, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he fully immerses us. And the promise of the baptism is declared in the Old Testament. Day of the Pentecost. And Joel 2.28 said what? In the last days. Says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. It shall come to pass afterward. What's afterward? After Jesus. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Again, if Jesus died for something, you want it. And here's what we have to do. We have to remain open and we have to pursue. We have to go all in. We have to say, God, I want everything that you have for me. And right now in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that's a great opportunity to do that. The Holy Spirit baptism, this isn't a Pentecostal thing. It's a Jesus thing. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and behold, I am sending. The promise of my father upon you. But I want you to see this. But stay in the city, that is Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. In other words, he says, guys, don't do anything else until you receive this. And he said, stay in Jerusalem and, and seek after this promise. And I, I want to just encourage you right now if you haven't experienced that yet, keep seeking keep praying. You know why? These apostles had to do the same thing. They had to seek and they they had to pray. And and they went to a place called the upper room in Jerusalem. And they had a 10-day prayer meeting where they sought this promise. And it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait from the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And and he told them, again, don't leave. Do do, do not leave until you experience this. And he said, you have heard from me, and for truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And I'm just gonna step out in faith and prophesy right now. Somebody needs to claim that verse for your life. I'm gonna receive it not many days from now. I'm gonna receive this experience. I'm gonna position myself like these disciples did to hear from God. And I want you to see what happened. Acts chapter two, verse one. It said, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven like the sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And that, that word wind, by the way, uh, you know what, that word wind is, is Spirit. God specifically chose that sign of wind because they would have understood that in Hebrew, the same word for wind is spirit. And it was like a, a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house that they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared and rested on each of them. And they were all filled. Everybody say all. All, all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave unto us. Now, here's what I want to tell you. We don't worship tongues. G- How many of us Jesus saves us? But tongues are a sign of this experience. Right. What we seek is Jesus, and he provides the sign. Amen. Right. Good. Is that all right? Good. And so what we have to do is say, Lord, I'm open to what you have for me as our musicians will come. Lord, I want us to, as a family, everything you have for us. If we would all stand just at this moment, all over this place. Lord, our, as a church, we all wanna be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are a church that's passionate about an act to experience. We want our kids to see repentance and faith in their life. We wanna see our kids be baptized in water. We wanna see our kids filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's a promise for whosoever will. And God's doing it. He's doing it in denominations. He's doing it in all churches, all tribes, all nations. We're gonna see, I believe, a Acts 2 revival. And And here's what's so important about tongues. Here's what's so powerful. When God confounded the languages in Babel, he confused their languages. Why did he do that? Because they were in rebellion to him. They were in unity in rebellion to him. And he said, they're in unity. They have a common purpose. And what can stop them? So he had to confound their language. God reverses that curse at Pentecost. And he gives us a spiritual language. And, And that's why you're a part of a global body of all races, tribes, and tongues that speaks the same spirit. the spirit. We all speak the same spiritual language and something powerful happens. But I, I want to close with one last verse today in Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel, he has this vision. I believe it's prophetic of the church, of the church age. And it says, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then he led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Now, some of you today, that's where you're at. You're, you're tapping your foot in the water. You're kind of coming to church, checking things out. And first of all, I want to say there is nothing wrong with that. Honey, you tap as long as you need to tap. They say, you're going to that church, and, and you, can, you can just tell them, yeah, but I'm just putting my toe in the water. I'm not, I'm not full-fledged one of them yet. I'm just, I'm just kind of dipping my toe. I like their music. The pastor has cool shoes whatever you want to tell him. Some of us, that's where we're at. Maybe you, you, you've given your life to Jesus, you've repented. And I want to tell you, that's powerful. Thank God for the ankle deep water. And then he says again in verse four, he measured a thousand that led me through water and it was knee deep. So maybe you, have you're thinking about taking that next step. You need to go a little bit deeper. Here's what I want us all to do this, this right now as we close. Everybody take a step. Some of us need to get knee deep and take that next step of water baptism. Go into deeper waters. And next week, you bring all your friends so they can see what God's done in your life. And you come out of the closet as, yeah, I'm going. The church, and I even got baptized there. Yeah. By the way, it's not about our church. It's about Jesus. But you just need to come out and say, you know what? I'm a Christian now. Guys, I'm not going to be doing the things I used to do. You're going to have to come with me if we're going to hang out. Then he got to the knee deep waters and again, he measured a thousand. He led me to the water and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand and it was a river. I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And I believe that's a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where it's, we're not just tapping our foot. We're not just halfway in. But we are all in seeking everything that God has for us. And when he baptizes us, he immerses us with his Holy Spirit. We can't control it. We can't do it. We've got a total surrendered body to Jesus Christ. Now, some of you here today, you're saying, I want that, but just nothing too crazy. Here's the thing. I can't promise you anything when you get in this river you lose control when you get into this wave you don't get to choose what happens I, I've seen people that they just say those crazy Pentecostals and those crazy Pentecostals what they do and then they come in here and after a few months they're crazier than us why because they get into the water of the river and you lose control so I wonder all over this place right now if you want to take a step if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit thinking about water baptism right now if you need to repent everybody lift up your hands all over this place and let's say God create a river in this place right now create a river